My best position athletically is long snapper. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco. I'm here with my co-host, Walker Kelly and Mike Valverde. And today we have a special guest, Kent Lee Platty. I got it right this time. I remembered the last year I called you Kent, Kent Platt. How you doing, Kent? Fantastic, man. Enjoying the, the what's our off-season. <laughs> yeah, so if you guys don't know Kent's name, you definitely know his work. He's the, the brain behind RAS. The, we were talking before the episode, taking... Uh, football discussion by storm bill belichick drafted specifically to spite kent it seems according to espn so um yeah let's let's get uh the website business out of the way and then we'll get to talking to you a little bit kent uh this is your second time on the episode you're one of the few return guests i don't know what that means um about us awesome. uh <laughs> it means he gets uh he, he gets uh, uh vip access into the football absurdity lounge oh yeah yeah, three um, more and you'll become a fiber club. A fiber right. club's an L. You get a jacket. They, they yeah. didn't even give me a punch card. <laughs> oh, they. Oh, never oh. mind then. Then we have no way to prove that you're on the episodes. Before. Yep, no way to prove. It's it. not. It's not recorded and posted in perpetuity. <laughs> nope. No, it's not. All right, so let me do the website plugs really quick. So we have uh, June is I guess sleeper breakout and bus month. Uh, every team's sleeper breakouts and bus get posted every day. Today was uh, Kansas City. Uh, July is going to be player profile month. I've already written 25 of them, all of the quarterbacks for the first run. Um, we're going to put everything together into a draft kit. It's going to be seven bucks. Or if you want to join the Patreon, it's uh, three bucks a month for that. And if you want to stick around, you get every other episode of the podcast, as well as the draft kit. We update that once a week in August. And um, our next episode of the Patreon is uh, going to be finishing our uh, review of players 11 through 20 at wide receiver and tight end can check out the discord tiny.cc slash fb absurdity uh we're on twitter at rfl red zone is mike walker is big daddy dricks i am at jeff crisco k-r-i-s-k-o and our guest kent is at math bomb kent so i know we've talked about this before but what 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 was the thought process behind ras what's the process in in getting ras going uh because if people don't know it um obviously we'll link it's there's a link off to it in the episode description but it's basically uh here's a number that's made up of sub numbers that tell you exactly how athletic a player is uh relative to other players at their position and that's really just the basic way of putting it the, the idea was we have all these terms that get thrown around during the draft time. This this player is quick, but not fast. And this player is explosive. And this player is even simple stuff like this player is slow. You know, they don't really mean anything. There's nothing really behind them other than just a vague idea of what that might mean. And it sometimes gets misused. It gets mis misused for a lot of different players. Uh, back in 2013, um, I decided to do something about that and create a metric that would actually display it in a more meaningful fashion. So I looked at different ways to do that, and I landed on a 0 to 10 number. Anybody can understand 0 to 10. You, know, you do 1 to 10, sometimes 1 is good, sometimes 10 is good, but 0 to 10, 0 ain't ever good. So uh, people can easily get 0 to 10. And then I color-coded it stoplight color pattern. So everybody knows green is good and red is bad and yellow is whatever <laughs> falls in between that. 
Um, yellow is it's whatever you want to see in it is basically yeah. what yellow has turned out to be. Yeah. So the idea was just to create something that was very simple, very easy to understand. Um, and I, I think I've done a pretty good job of doing that. It's been blowing up every year more and more, um, getting a lot more play. Uh, but people are starting to really understand the testing metrics a lot more than they ever have before, which is what I was going what I was going for. I, I wanted to make it more accessible to fans and more usable by the people who are more in-depth covering it, media, guys who do podcasts, all that stuff. Um, when you have numbers that you can put towards something, it's a lot easier to do comparisons and, and put those numbers to, to good use rather than just throwing superlatives out there and hoping that they sound good enough to stick. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. No, it's been a lot of fun and I've enjoyed it just because I get to talk football all the time. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, our, I love RAS because we have these like, we have our testing metrics, you know, our height, weight, 40. And then there's like the second level ones that people are calling, you know, advanced ones like speed score, burst score, agility score, even BMI. And then RAS just kind of comes on top is like, all right, here's 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 everything you need to know. Here's one number. You don't have to, like, look in a bunch of places. And and, uh, you know, I love it. I, I use it for shorthand for stuff all the time in my um, in my write up. So pretty great. So um what else are you working on in, in the in the football landscape? So it's our off season for the draft stuff. So I'm I'm kind of get just now getting out of that lull post draft. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I work for Pro Football Network. I maintain their mock draft simulator. You can always check that out at profootballnetwork.com/slash-mock-draft. Um, we maintain the rosters for that. We change team needs whenever whenever teams pick up new players or make trades or maybe there's a new starter in camp that makes it look like well they're probably not going to need that position anymore we'll change the needs based on that so the drafts become a little bit more dynamic Um, it allows me to talk to a lot of really experienced and talented draft folks to learn about players that i haven't watched yet or maybe only watched a little bit of and get that different perspective of it Um, it's been a really eye-opening experience as somebody who's covered the draft very closely to get that much exposure to people who cover it on a daily basis professionally so it's been a lot of fun it's it's so much fun to do this kind of stuff i keep saying it's fun because it is it's just lots and lots of fun Um, i have expanded the ras website and i'm doing an off-season study to uh to change the positional designations we have all the traditional positional designations your quarterback, wide receiver, um, free safety, strong safety, that stuff. We're trying to get a, a historical study so that we can do things like edge or just straight up safety or defensive back, even um, scat back, power back, stuff like that. It's a little bit more uh, more diverse from the basic stuff that we have from the original rankings. Try to bring it a little bit more up to date with what's actually going on in the NFL. Um, would be nice if the combine did that um and yeah. broke those up a little bit differently but we're, we're kind of stuck with what they give us um so doing that this off season i hope to have that up i've already got the structure and stuff so i hope to have that up before the next draft season um, i will i'll have that up before the next draft season but, um and i'm also redesigning the site changing all the logos changing the visuals of the card making everything look a little bit cleaner a little bit nicer um got myself a new logo and we got a new little bomb guy that i get Ooh, that stuff cool Nice. I like the bomb guy. Bomb guy is fun. Yeah, I, I it's funny. I, I forget that, you know, the RAS card has changed over time and I see an old one and I'm like, is this oh, a God. knockoff? Like what? <laughs> I, I just think of the code that went behind it and how poorly written it was. I'm a developer professionally. So anytime I see old stuff that I wrote, I'm like, that is the worst thing that has ever been written. No one has ever coded that poorly. <laughs> That's when I've come across an old article of mine and I'm trying to find something. Yep. Like, who, you know, you know, who wrote this? That is the yep. worst. The worst. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. It's like 
God, I published this garbage? What the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> what is going on? So uh so before we get into the the chat, we're gonna talk about wide receivers, running backs, some rookies, see who might have a, a good rookie year and you know their RAS and stuff. Uh um let's talk uh pick your poison unless Mike Walker, do you have any more questions for Kent? I do have two, but if Walker wants to go first, um I'm perfectly okay with that if he has any. Mike's like, first of all, who the hell do you think you are? Second of all, <laughs> no, I I have the same question I asked JT O'Sullivan. Uh, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think you're smarter than me? <laughs> <laughs> um, over under uh, six wins for the Lions. It's tough because that was my actual prediction was six. So I'll, I'll give it the over. I think luck-wise, the, the way that luck fell for the Lions last year was very poor. Um, they were a three-win three, three win team. They, they're not some team that should have won seven, eight, nine games. They were a three-win team. Uh, but there was a lot of games that were close and were lost just by bad luck. And I feel like you can't have bad luck every year. As a Lions fan, I say that, so I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway, because statistically speaking, you shouldn't be like that every year. Yeah, there's, as as a, uh, a Kings fan, um, I also hope that luck uh, will eventually turn around. But uh, it seems like some teams make their own luck and some teams make their own bad luck. It uh, yeah. really feels like. So, Mike, what were your questions? So, um, my first question is, why do some players who have high RAS scores fizzle out while others remain <laughs> elite? Mike's coming with the hard questions. <laughs> That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that instead of the reverse of it, which is why the guys that score poorly do well, because I get that question a lot more often. Um, it's really fun to look back at guys, both of those ends of the spectrum. Guys that test really well and then don't do well in the NFL generally fail for, for a couple of different reasons. The most common one is injuries, which is kind of a cop-out. So I, I don't want to just point to that and be like, yeah, well, injuries, my numbers are fantastic. It's just injuries. Um, but you have guys like John Ross and, and guys like that where they come into the league with a whole bunch of injury problems, but they're such good athletes and they're so dynamic that teams just want to they want to take that risk and roll the dice. Um, but more often, it's just scheme fit and attitude. Some guys come in and just don't care. They don't really care and they, they don't they don't want to put in the work. And it's it's not just athletic ability. You can't win just on athletic ability in college. There's a lot of guys who do. And teams will draft them based on whether or not they think they're coachable. Um, the easiest example of this is Rashawn Gary, who had a lot of concerns about uh, whether or not he really wanted to be coached or whether he was as coachable as some of the other players coming out. But he was an amazing athlete. And from everybody that had talked about him, they always talked up his ability to be coached and his ability to take that, that feedback and turn it into something constructive. Um, he wasn't amazing out of the gate, but he's slowly developed and become a better player as he's played in his career and gotten better every year. And that's all you can really hope for for guys like that. Um, guys that that test really well but are also technically proficient, we tend to lump those guys all in the same group, but they're not really the same person. Um, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson was technically proficient in college. He was, he was also a fantastic athlete. But he was also technically proficient in college. So it isn't just looking at his athletic prowess. There's other factors where he had positives that helped him become a successful wide receiver. Um, so usually it's it's just some combination of scheme or attitude or injuries when you see guys like that falter. Uh, it's very rare that guys come in and just flop out without some kind of mitigating factor, regardless of athletic, te athletic testing. Um, 
we've seen it every single year and it's it's really tough watching a guy mismatched in a scheme fail year in year out and you know why it's just we can't change the scheme yeah he has <laughs> got to do that yeah that's, that's true um, that's uh i frequently talk to my father-in-law about 49ers second round pick last year aaron banks who is a mountain of a man offensive lineman he's massive he's like almost 400 pounds and um Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch before the season were like, yeah, he's too big to do anything that we want to do. We're like, why did you draft him? Like, what what, what was the play here? That's a complete mismatch. So it's like you're lighting a second round pick on fire because it doesn't match what you want to do. So, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And, Mike, what was your other question? My other week, we sort of uh, talked about this off air, but I I think it's important because I I really do see it tending this way. But um, our NFL teams, um, do you know that are sort of looking into the RSS scores and developing it to look at the pro- uh, prospects that they're wanting to draft? I know individual scouts. It's part of a lot of my sources are scouts and, and uh, agents, but I know a lot of in- scouts for NFL teams that that use it as a metric, more as a reference than an actual tool. Um, NFL teams all have their own internal metrics that they use, and one of the best things about RAS isn't that oh god, all these teams are going to pick it up. They're not, but it tends to correlate with what other NFL teams are using. Their own internal metrics tend to look very similar. Um, The easiest example are actually the Colts and the Packers. Both of those teams are, whatever they're using is very closely aligned to RAS and the way that RAS values metrics. Uh, Because they they just draft guys that match almost, almost exclusively. They draft guys that match really high on the metrics. So it isn't that teams are using RAS, they're using something that RAS is similar to. And they all have different names for it and they all have their own different splash of paint on it, but everybody uses something. Um, It's a matter of how much they value it and how much they value that over other things that you can really look to. All right, so um, perfect, thank you for that. And yeah, I I knew the Packers were, analytically sound when uh, uh somebody asked me to a few years ago write a, a, a draft picks article like a mock draft for the for i forget which team and um i just went to spark x and was like sorting by that and i was like hey look uh aaron jones he's like a fifth round pick and he might be good and hey i i doubt that the packers just uh just sorted uh scores till they found something they wanted but it made me go oh, okay so they 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 saw some analytical stuff that um that uh, is picked up in some metrics. Yeah, and that's the joke among a lot of Packers writers is if, if you want to figure out who they're going to draft, just go to my site and just sort by RAS. <laughs> that's, that's where you got to look. Perfect. So um, so we're going to get into the discussion really quick, but uh, Mike Walker, I'm bringing back an old game. You're familiar with it. It's very easy. Uh, pick your poison. Um, so Kent, I have three rookies here. I picked a wide receiver, a running back, and a quarterback in kind of questionable situations i want to know who do we think breaks out this year so we've got uh jalen tolbert wide receiver for the cowboys uh we've got uh kenneth walker running back for the seahawks who's behind rashad penny and we've got desmond ritter who's with the falcons um behind marcus Mariota right now so um you know i'll uh i'll let uh, mike and walker go first and they can kind of show how the game is done it's not that hard but uh (laughs) Mike, who who breaks out this year? Jalen Tolbert, Kenneth Walker, or Desmond Ritter? Ooh, that's a really good um, 
You know, I'm going to go Jalen Tolbert. And the reason why is because with Michael Gallup being injured up to unknown amount of weeks, I know Jerry Jones had come out and said, well, it looks like week one, but we don't really trust that. We wanted him sort of develop and, and get right. And so it could be like three or four or 10 weeks after that. Um, and I, I think Tolbert is going to take that role and we'll see how he does with it. But I like him better because the opportunity uh, is right for him. Um, other, I mean, Ritter may never see the field and Kenneth Walker might be blocked off by Chris Carson. And um, also I know Carson's dealing with an injury, but Rashad Penny and, you know, I'm sure Rashad Penny is dealing with an injury right now, in fact. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a three sort of headed monster there. So per opportunity, I'm going to go with Tolbert. Uh, yeah, and I don't I don't think um, I think that uh, Chris Carson's probably done. Um, it, there mean, was if you've seen that neck work that he got. Yeah. Done, uh, he has like a what looks like a door hinge in his neck. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, hey. I would uh, I would not be risking playing football anymore if I were him. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, all right, Walker, who is who's your uh, pick your poison guy? Tolbert, uh, Walker, or um, Desmond Ritter? Uh, so I think I'm like the only person who doesn't think Jalen Tolbert's going to have a great rookie season. Um, I didn't particularly care for him as a prospect. I thought he was just okay. I know, Kent, you love him. You wanted the Lions to take him at 34. Uh, <laughs> but... I uh he beat up on a lot of really bad corners in the Sun Belt. Um he is a good athlete. Um he I just don't see the refinement there in his game that's going to lead to him being a successful player year one. Um plus the draft capital is typically in in the range where we don't see those guys break out in their first season. Um I'm not as low on James Washington as a lot of people. I think that he's a perfectly fine football player. And, you know, at this point, probably better than Jalen Tolbert. So I I just don't really see him having this great rookie season. So I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker. I think that he is the best runner of the group of running backs in Seattle. Um Penny is good at breaking off long runs, but so is Walker. And I think Walker's better at getting the tough yards than Penny is. Um, neither of them are going to catch passes, so that's not really a concern. They're just not going to throw to the running back much at all this year. Um, I, I just I, I feel like whether it's because he plays better than Penny or because Penny gets hurt, that Walker's going to have a chance to take that job at some point this year. And once he gets the starter carries, I don't think he's going to give them up. Uh, Walker, I just have to, to, to let you know, you don't have to keep this shtick up. <laughs> Walker. Oh, cause yeah. From what Kev said. Yeah. Uh, Walker yeah. had an argument about uh, Penny and, uh, and, uh, Walker, um, this, this week, uh, very, very, very good stuff. Um, so, um, Kent, you know, the, you know, the game now, so are you going Tolbert? Are you going, um, Ritter or are you going Walker as the, the breakout this year at, at uh, in their rookie years? So anybody that's followed me knows that it won't be Ritter, not because I don't like Ritter, but because he was drafted in the third round, and that is a wasteland of okay. quarterbacks. Uh, there's only one third-round quarterback in the last 35 years who's found any real success as a starting NFL quarterback, um, and everybody points to him because they can't name anybody else because there's only one. Um, 
So I, it, it's not going to be him. It, it's just we we I liked Ritter, but when you go and value a player and then you see where the NFL values him, you have to sometimes be like, well, I was wrong. Right? It's it's just the case sometimes. Um, when it comes to Tolbert, I love Tolbert. Have always loved Tolbert. I think he landed in a good situation for himself for both long-term development and initial work. Uh, but I don't think he's going to get as many targets as Kenneth Walker is going to get carries. And as has already been said, opportunity is king. And you're gonna you're gonna get whatever you get based on the opportunities that you get. And I think Kenneth Walker is going to have the most early opportunities. I think he's going to steal those opportunities from the players that he's against. I don't think that Tolbert's going to be able to do that just because it's a talented receiver room. Um, And he's got other guys that are going to be buying for touches that have to be shared Uh, at the running back position. They don't have to be shared as much. You can, you can take those carries and just own them pretty much the entire game. And when you are giving up carries, it's not going to be much and it's not going to be for much it's going to you're going to continue to build on that reputation so he's in the best position to get the touches um, and he think he's talented enough to to more than make do with what touches he's going to get so i i technically agree with walker even though he's very wrong about tolbert because tolbert's awesome <laughs> so the the third round quarterback you're referring to that's of course uh davis mills right hey now <laughs> any of any of you can you can start for a little while, but you ain't gonna you ain't gonna stick. Davis Mills is among them. You ain't gonna stick. Nah, it, it's a, Mike loves Davis Mills. It's of course Russell Wilson, the one third round quarterback that everybody talks about all the time. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I was frantically pulling up the list to be like, all right, who's the funniest name on here for me to say? It was either uh, Matt Giovanni Chow- Carmazzi. Oh, <laughs> that's such a great name. I really wish he had worked out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Considering that uh, the 49ers took him. But um, he was uh, also a Jesuit uh, guy as well. Oh, he's from Sacktown? Yeah. Hey, let's go. But, uh, speaking of names, just because I love throwing it out there, but we have a draft prospect in this next draft class named Storm Duck. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so uh, it, it doesn't matter what your team does. I want that player to be a star no matter what. He has to. He has to be because that's yeah. too perfect. Yeah, are you going to write a little algorithm of, for Storm Duck and a little boost, a couple points in there? <laughs> <laughs> Waste of grade. Uh, no, Storm Duck, definitely a, a, a high pick for 1.01 in our all-names draft next year. Because uh, every year we do the the incoming rookie class, the all-names team. And uh, that's that's a – Storm Duck is probably the 101 this oh, year. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's the name right there for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm looking at third-round quarterbacks now, and, uh, yeah, it's bad. It's Life bad. Plan. So bad. Yeah. The uh, the uh, 10th best one of all time is Matt Schaub. Yeah. The guy who's most known for throwing the most pick sixes pick six. in, any, in any consecutive game. Yes. History. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah. Uh, so, all right. Let's uh, let's start to talk some uh, some rookies. Um, so. What we're basically looking for, because I remember from last year, Kent, you're not a big fantasy guy, but that doesn't matter. We're looking for impact. We're looking for who's going to be good their 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 freshman year in the league, their rookie year. And so what we're going to look for is uh, what do we think about these guys? Can they have rookie year impact? And what do we think uh, for their multi-year impact based not only on their athleticism, but their landing spot? Um, so it's funny that, uh, you know, Walker put the list down. I think this is just or- draft order. Uh, yeah. But they they put uh, Drake London, who did not have an RAS. <laughs> so he, he did have a pro day, and supposedly he measured, but I didn't get any of the metrics in time to do anything with them. 
Yeah. Um, I, I keep looking and trying to see if somebody has them so I can update it eventually, but he didn't have any in time. Yeah, so right now, uh, Drake London has an incomplete uh, RAS score. Um, I have to start calling it RAS because you're the man. You say RAS. I have to stop saying RAS. You can say RAS score. I like to throw it together. You can kind of merge it. <laughs> that works. Uh, yeah, so um, an incomplete RAS uh, Barry, there we go, nailed it. Um, so Drake London, Kent, what do you what do you think about Drake London, or is it one of those things where, um, you know, w- without the measurements, you're not entirely sure? I, I doubt that's the case since you do offensive <laughs> draft stuff. I love Drake London, and he was one of my favorite players to watch because I came into watching Drake London with his impression. You try to tune everything out when you're watching a player, um, but the, you 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 can't change the fact that you have heard things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I came into watching Drake London and trying to be as clean slate as I could. But the reputation that he had was he's the jump ball specialist. He's the guy that that you can throw it up to him and he can go go and get it, right? They always throw out those other superlatives. But I was amazed when I was watching him how little of his game that is. Like, that that's something he can do and do well. But it's such a small part of his game. He does a ton of stuff after the catch. Um, he's used behind the line of scrimmage. He's used on short routes and asked to do a ton of stuff against different coverages. He runs a, a pretty decent route tree. Um, it was surprising to me how his reputation was compared to how he actually played. Um, he was my wide receiver one coming out. He's a fantastic player. I'm very excited to actually see him play in an offense that's going to throw to him because uh, we did see the Falcons decide to really switch things up when they got Kyle Pitts and do some different things. Um Wishing the quarterback situation was better than it is, but uh, I, I think he's going to get plenty of work and, and develop as as long as he is what I think he is, which is really good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, Walker, Mike. Uh, w- well, let me ask this first, Kent. Uh, is he still like based on landing spot the your favorite wide receiver in this class in terms of how you think he'll have an impact? Not as a rookie. You're so dependent on your quarterback when you're Mm -hmm. a wide receiver. There's only so much you can do with a bad quarterback. I mean, Calvin Johnson didn't even have a great rookie year because he had scrubs thrown to him. So there's only so much you can do as a great receiver. But long term, Falcons will eventually get somebody they can throw to him. There you go. Um, uh, Mike and Walker, I'll just ask you you two, uh, instead of, you know, going player by player. Actually, we probably should do this round robin style, but. Um, having a production meeting on air. There we go. Um, who are who after the landing spots are your two favorite wide receivers in this class? Um, I like Traylon Burks, and uh, and then my wide receiver one in the class was Garrett Wilson. So um, I I don't love the landing spot for Wilson. I actually like the landing spot for um, Chris Olave more. And I think that they're similar enough players that uh, I would have for fantasy Olave just a teeny tiny bit ahead. Um, Wilson does a lot of the same things that Elijah Moore does. They're very similar players. And I am concerned at how those targets are going to be split up. I I wouldn't be looking for Wilson to have a huge impact year one. Um, there's also the complicating factor of the fact that Zach Wilson loves Braxton Berrios for some reason. And we'll probably throw him like four balls a game just because um, it's I just don't think it's going to be particularly productive for Wilson early. And I don't know how competent the Jets are going to be at fixing that because they're probably going to give Zach Wilson a long time. And I personally haven't seen anything from Wilson that says he's any good. So I, I'm concerned about that. Whereas with Alave, 
He's got Winston, who's fine, um, very inconsistent, but can play at a high level for stretches. Um, we'll certainly give Olave chances down the field to go get the ball. Um, I, I think that if you're looking for somebody outside of London and then Burks, who is in the most obvious spot for production, um, Olave is probably your best bet there, but I'm still not huge on him for redraft. Um, the guy I really like for redraft this year is Burks. Um, not necessarily saying he's the best receiver in the class, but he his skill set fits their offense really well. And uh, he's probably going to step right in and be the number one receiver. Um, the only competition he's really got is Robert Woods who's coming off a torn ACL and is 30 years old. So um, Burks should be the wide receiver one in Tennessee. And uh, while I don't think he's going to get A.J. Brown type numbers, I would imagine that he has a pretty productive rookie season. All right. And uh, Mike, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the, the most productive rookie wide receiver out of the gate? Um, I, it's a toss up. We're not counting Drake London, right? No, it can be Drake London. Oh, okay. I, I was, I it's just gonna... whoever you think I'm, I'm asking, you know, we, we haven't had this discussion yet. Um, yeah, I think Drake London, just because who else is there outside of Kyle Pitts, right? So, um, and uh, there's I know... Damian Williams, sir. Oh yeah. How did sir. I get him? Oh my sir. goodness. I failed today. Um, Anthony and, Ferkser. Oh, Ferkser, of course. Man, that dude, that dude's always first. Ferkser, Ferkser first. I hardly know her. Anyways. Yeah, I hardly know her, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drake Lennon, to me, um, not only in redraft, but Dynasty as well. He's he's probably going number, he's normally going number one in Dynasty drafts. Number two is, uh, is uh, Traylon Burks. So everything that Walker said, I do believe that they're going to throw more, throw more I, because you can't just rely on Derrick Henry. The dude, I know they love to run him 29 times a game, but we, we saw what happened with that. He, he's just going to be broken down and it's just not going to work. And I don't think they're going to want Hassan Haskins to carry the load there. So I do believe that they're going to throw a little bit more uh than than walker believes but yeah Traylon burks is my number two um which is seems to go as dynasty as well is it number two is Traylon burks so lennon usually goes first then Traylon burks in dynasty okay sorry about that my wife is going to take the dog outside because she is barking at our new neighbors so um so let's talk about uh garrett wilson Walker actually walker kind of uh outlined garrett wilson pretty well um what they feel is you know the ups and downs um so what I want to talk about is from the from the man himself, seven, seven, eight RAS. Like, what does that signal to you, Kent, when somebody sees that? Like, what should they be doing? What should they be thinking? Because this isn't just a let's talk about rookie wide receivers and running backs. It's also let's talk about RAS a little bit. So when they see a seven, seven, eight, what should they be thinking with that? So if you have a guy that's billed as some elite athlete, then you'd want to be a little bit concerned about it. Um but Garrett Wilson didn't have that billing, so it's not really a concern because mm. nobody was out here talking up Garrett Wilson like they were with Traylon Burks, which is why his testing was a bit more concerning. Um, but Garrett Wilson wasn't getting talked up that way. The way that Garrett Wilson was getting talked up is he's he's a very explosive player. He's a fast player. Um, and you want to look at those numbers individually, which he tested great in speed and pretty good in, in explosive drills. So how you see him on tape was how he tested. Um, he only did the shuttle, he didn't do the cone, and he did pretty poor in the shuttle. So if you thought he was a very uh, agile or quick player, then that might be concerning. Um, personally, I think he tested exactly how he looks on tape. 
and the numbers just made that less than an eight. So that's that's just how that that fell. Um, he's a good enough athlete. athlete. He's, there's nothing really to be concerned about. And for what he does, he's a really good athlete. So there isn't really a lot of concern with that overall number based on how he should be used and how he was used at Ohio State. So I got a question for you that I just thought about. It just popped into my head because I'm looking at his his Raz for his height and his weight. He's uh, it looks like 5'11", uh, 183, and those are both graded as poor. Have you seen, as to the best of your your knowledge, a lot more uh, guys rating as poor? Because we moved in the last in terms of size uh, at wide receiver. Because in the last few years we've had this shift from your like massive big bodied wide receivers like right now you think about like uh the most recent big names like julio jones aj green like that class to a lot shiftier smaller guys so are you seeing a lot more wide receivers that are getting their ass like pulled down because of these these size um concerns so there's a two-part answer to that and the first is yeah. that the nfl is cyclical mm-hmm. so whenever we get these smaller shiftier wide receivers we get smaller shiftier corner corners mm-hmm. to counter that and to counter smaller shifter, shiftier corners, you get bigger, more powerful wide receivers. And to yep. counter bigger, more powerful receivers, you draft bigger, more powerful corners. And to counter yep. those, you draft smaller shifter receivers. <laughs> yep. And now yep. you're back at the beginning. Yep. So the NFL is cyclical, and it, 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 it rotates. It goes around and around and around. Um, at the same time, wide receiver is literally the most populous position in the NFL. There's more than two receivers on every team that are essentially starters in the NFL. And in college, that number is even higher. It's probably three to four because colleges use spread offenses and run and shoot and all those other different offenses so much more often. So it's it's just a very bloated position in terms of numbers. In Raz, it's the largest position in Raz. I think we're at 2,600 or something players like that. I'm going to look it up real quick. But, um, it's just a lot. It's a lot of players. So the fact that there's so many of them means there's a lot of different types of them. And we've mm-hmm. got guys like Tyreek Hill, who's extremely small for a wide receiver. And then you have guys like Drake London, who is very much not. And we don't have a lot of guys like Calvin Johnson, who's just massive at the wide receiver position. We don't really get guys like that very often, mm-hmm. even if they do dominate in the few. The few guys that we get tend to be really dominant. That doesn't happen very often. It's pretty rare. Um, it's it's kind of like um, uh, Devontae Smith last year and why he was so important as a unicorn. Not a unicorn as in, oh, my God, he's the greatest player ever and nobody's ever going to be like him. He's, there just aren't guys with his body type in the NFL or even in college football. Guys with that that kind of length and height who weigh a buck 60 don't exist in general in football because they don't last. But most guys with that kind of build aren't built like Smith was. They're not built in a way that that helps him dominate. And he was. You know, sometimes guys are just built in a way that that is favorable to the position that they play. And I think when we get guys like that, we have a certain archetype and we try to lump them all together. But there really are a bunch of different guys who have different roles based on their size. Um, we do see the size, a lot of guys with the poor. And size is mostly used to weight the the RAS scores because we it, it doesn't wait for height by using some complicated algorithm it just includes height as an additional metric in the score so um, smaller players who test well in other areas are still going to get a really good score and tall players who are slow as molasses still are going to get a bad score yeah 
Um, but I, I think that it kind of skews how we see that stuff. Now, all that said, because I like to be as long-winded as possible, um, we are seeing a very specific trend at receiver for more slender receivers coming out mm. over the last three years, which is a very small amount of time. Um, but we are seeing that trend kind of start. We haven't gotten far enough into it to see if it matters or if it's a good thing, because there's still a ton of failures out of that group also, because more players fail than succeed in the NFL draft. Yeah, that's that's the thing a lot of fans forget is it's like, hey, just so you know, most of these guys are going to they're going to flame out. Um, you well, know, don't don't think every fourth round, uh, you know, cornerback you get is going to work out. He's probably not. What are you going to say, Mike? The first round is a 50 percent failure rate. Yeah. So, I mean, that's our first round, right? Yeah. So. And, and, and do I don't think things get better from there. So, um, so uh, we're just, I think we'll, uh, what we'll do um, is we'll before we jump into that, I wanted yeah. to let you guys know I have 3,200 wide receivers in the Jeez. database. Wow. And al- almost 2,800 of them tested enough to actually have a score. So, we're, we're nearing 3,000 wide receivers with a Raz in the database. That is cool. Who's the, who's the least athletic of all time? Who, who has oh, the some, some random. It's going to be some guy that we've never – almost Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember Jarvis Landry is like point. <laughs> he had a 0. 0. 0.27 <laughs> out, of, out of 10. It's my favorite Raz score of all time. Um, let's do uh, – and Raz is not I, I love Jarvis Landry having such a low Raz score because I'm a big David Bellhead. And people will be like, well, he's not athletic enough to work in the NFL. But like, but what if he's just Jarvis Landry? Jarvis Landry. Then he's it, then he's, he's twelve a, he's times as athletic. Yeah, I was gonna say significantly uh, more athletic version of Jarvis Landry. It is uh, uh, some player named uh, Damiano Vitti from the Gelfi Ferenz, uh, which is a a uh, national international team, I believe. Oh my God! So it is uh, not somebody that we would generally associate with NFL play. The the lowest for a player that played in the United States is Carlos Thompson from Missouri Western, uh, oh, back oh. in 2019. Oh, so it's pretty oh, recent. Mia, I'm the most unathletic receiver. Are you done? See, <laughs> this we've got some great. I see this is what I hate about about NFL and college that we don't have great team names. We really don't. But you look internationally, and you have the Sinyoki Crocodiles of Finland. That's fantastic. Hell yeah. That's just I a mean, great name. We get lapped by by like every other sport. Like the I know it's Nippon Ham is the team, but the Nippon Ham Fighters is like the best team name ever. By the way, uh, Damiano Viti ran a five one seven forty. Jesus Christ. My man was jogging out there. (laughs) Laser. Yeah, if if I'd ever have a request on somebody, I would say Fred Fred Blitnikoff. I would love to see his RAS score. That would be fun Uh, to see. Yeah, well. He's he's a lot like, uh, not stylistically, but like Anquan Bolden in that you know that he's not. Like, you know what he doesn't have. Right. But you can see how he wins anyway. And it, it doesn't matter because you, you watch it and you're like, that's not a thing we test, but it's awesome and it works. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Mike, if Mike had a time machine, he'd go back in time and be like, so there's this thing. It's called Razcore. And I need to figure out what it what yours might be. So I, <laughs> yeah. need, you, I need you to do some things for me. Let's talk. Let's talk, Fred. Come on, Fred. Let's, let's sit around. How to, what was your 40 time, Fred? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. 
Um, let's move on uh, real quick. So, uh, Walker, you talked through Garrett Wilson, so we'll go ahead and skip that. Mike, why don't you talk a little bit about Chris Olave, who Walker mentioned. Um, yes. Went to New Orleans, 8.65 Raz. So that's a good score. Um, let me let me click on his uh, score to see if it's a green. I believe anything over eight is a green. Yeah. So 8.65 here. So he's uh, he's a he's a good athlete. Looks like, you know, if people want to go to Raz.football, look up the Chris Olave card. You can kind of see like uh, okay height, little skinny, uh, vertical is not great, great broad jump, great 40. So that's kind of you can just see it right away. So uh, Chris Olave uh, of Ohio State now with the Saints. Uh, how are you feeling about Chris Olave this year and going forward? I, I think like what, what Walker said is perfect. Um, here you have Jameis Winston and you know he I mean, he's not doesn't have a cannon. He's not like Josh Allen kind of arm strength, but he can get it downfield as we saw with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that offense. And I think that's the whole reason why they got Chris Olave. Uh, now, will he be someone that you can count on in a redraft? Um, probably not because to be honest with you, people, uh, receivers that run, just run seven and eight, nine routes aren't always going to be beneficial for your fantasy team anyways but uh i i think he's he's someone you can draft later in the in the draft and he'll get you maybe five touchdowns and 800 yards and 45 receptions something to that effect uh so draftable yes but someone you can definitely wait on yeah so um i i kind of like olave and uh mike i was gonna make a bad joke it's like guys who run nine routes oh, how many routes do you want them to run folks <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <Ooh. laughs> 789 rounds. That's, that's what you love. That's what you like to hear when there's four people on a call. You make a joke and only one person laughs and it feels out of uh, obligation. That's what. That's exactly what you want to hear. Um, but I kind of like Olave more as an. I I, I think we've talked about Olave uh, more as a number two guy on a team than a than a number one guy. And um, maybe if Michael Thomas ever comes back again, you know. He he so showed some footage of him stepping up onto a box that's like two feet in the air. Um, so good for him, I guess. Uh, I have no idea what's going on with him. But, you know, Alave, Speedster, um, I don't know. I, I like him as a as a as a depth guy. Um, Kent, what are your, your thoughts real quick on Chris Alave? And then we'll we'll rotate over to the next guy, which is going to be uh, Jameson Williams, uh, who you and Walker can argue over who, who talks about Jameson <laughs> Williams. Yeah, I love I love Chris Olave as a player, and I think he landed in a pretty good spot for him long term. Kind of like kind of like Drake London too, where it, it's just long the long term outlook and Jamison Williams. There's a lot of guys where they're not really gonna be set up for now. Actually, Jahan Dotson also, Jalen mm-hmm. Burks, almost all of the early receivers are yeah. in the same kind of boat where they're not really set up for early success. Um, they're set up more for long term and helping the team succeed. Uh, Olave is in the same boat. The the thing that he has working for him is Jamin Win- Jameis Winston's a YOLO player, so he's just going to throw the ball up and hope the guy can get it. Um, I expect a lot of overthrows because if you're a decent enough coach, you're just going to say throw it past him, not underneath him. And as long as Winston can do that, uh, he should get plenty of opportunities to make those you know real sexy deep catches and, and, and really show things up. Um, I think he's in a better position than his former teammate Garrett, Garrett Wilson. Um, it's it's he's in a good spot to do something. And I think Mike's 
stat prediction is pretty close to what it is. Um, he's he's in a good spot to be at least productive, but Doubt looks better going forward than it is this year. Yeah, I think this year he's going to be one of those guys, and and you kind of nailed it. There's a lot of guys that don't have like great positions to start their career, uh, but they should be you know two three years down the line. Um, yeah, I think he does more to help Jameis this year than he does to you know help himself this year if that makes sense because um you know the only the only downfield threat that the saints really had before lave was you know deontay hardy who is an undersized guy so this gives him a little bit of a bigger target and a little bit of a more talented target so i think yeah this is you know a a guy that's more to help Jameis and then be in the future than than a guy that they've drafted, you know, they drafted him 11, but to not be the man his his uh, rookie year. Um, so another guy incomplete RAS, no R, no RAS because he uh, tore his ACL. Uh, Jamison Williams, Jamo Williams, he is a Detroit Lion. Walker Kent, you are both Detroit Lions fans. Uh, uh, what what do we think, Mike? You don't talk on this one. Let Walker and Kent take this one away. Uh, Walker, we'll start with you. Um, so I wasn't Jamison Williams' biggest fan pre-draft. Um, I think he was my wide receiver six. I, I I think he's a little bit limited in terms of the things he does on the field, but I think he landed in just about the perfect spot because he's exactly the type of player the Lions offense needed. Um, and with the one-year contract handed out to DJ Chark, he won't have to play for a massive role right away. Even when he comes back this season, um, I don't expect him to be particularly productive. I think he'll be brought along slowly, and he's really a pick for the future. Um, I trust the the Lions coaching staff to uh, help him get the most out of his skill set. I hope that he can consistently stay healthy because he's an electric player. He's not the type of guy who I think will ever catch like 80 balls in a season necessarily, but um, I could easily see him having like a uh, – Mike Williams or Will Fuller type stat line where, you know, he's somewhere in the like 60 for a thousand range or something like that. Cause he's so fast. He's got such a wide catch radius with his arms. Um, just a pretty much built in a lab to be a big play threat. Um, like I said, his refinement is a bit of a concern for me, but I like what he can do. And I'm trying to focus on what he can do, not what he can't do, in my opinion. Um, I think the Lions will be able to utilize that. Um, And so obviously for redraft, no thanks. But um, in the future, I think he can certainly be very productive as a uh, low end wide receiver one or a high end wide receiver two. Yeah, and, and I almost asked uh, Kent, what do you think about his, what he might do his rookie year? But ideally, he doesn't even play. Like, ideally, he gets in the last four or five games because the the Lions uh, use it as almost a redshirt year. But how do you feel about uh, J-Mo on the, on the Lions? So it always sounds like I hate the player when I talk about Jameson Williams because it, it, Jared Goff is just the worst possible quarterback to throw to Jameson Williams. Right. Because Jared Goff is bad at all the things that Jameson Williams is good with. Mm-hmm. And if you, you were building... You you could have stopped it. Jared Goff is bad. <laughs> <laughs> if if you were draft, like if you actually legitimately thought Jared Goff was the guy, you'd want somebody like Jamison Williams to try to take advantage of a weak area in Jared Goff's game. But you also wouldn't trade up and spend the 12th overall pick on him, right? That's that's an, a vast overpay. 
Um, the Lions like to pretend that Jared Goff is the guy, but I, I don't believe that they actually legitimately believe that. Um, Jameis Williams is a good player. I actually agree with Walker that I don't I don't think his ceiling is very high. We get a guy like this every single year who is essentially the deep play guy. That's very valuable in the NFL. We don't have to spice it up and pretend that there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. But people like to, and it's the same argument. Oh, well, he's more than just a deep threat. He can do all these other things. Well, he's not durable enough to do all those other things. And he's shown that he's not durable enough to do all the other things. It'd be great if he was. I want him to stay healthy. I want every player to stay healthy the whole time. But we haven't seen it. We haven't seen that from him. We've only seen him play essentially one season in college football. And he was electric that whole time. He did a lot of really cool stuff. But most of what he did was be a deep threat and take the ball to the house. And that's not Jared Goff's game. Um, he's not coming into training camp healthy. Um, I know he like early on, they were like, oh, he's going to come back and he'll be back by camp. He was never going to be back by camp and he's not. So um, I don't expect a whole lot out of Jamison Williams year one. Long-term outlook, the Lions draft a quarterback in 2023. It's a completely different conversation if Jamison Williams stays healthy because now we're looking at a quarterback who can throw deep, assuming they don't screw it up. Um, and we have a receiver who can run deep. You know, but right now, the biggest thing that Jameis Williams has going for them is that DJ Chark is more fragile, and he's more likely to get a lot of catches down the stretch just because DJ Chark is less likely to actually make it to the stretch. So um, very poor outlook in year one, but long-term expectations are a lot better for the franchise than his early year projections are going to be. Yeah, he seems, he seems like a fun player, too. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a lot of fun to watch. It's just I've met as a person. As a person, he seems like a fun guy. Oh, it does. Oh. I I try to stay away from uh you know t- uh, there's a I'm wearing an effectively wild podcast T-shirt and it's a baseball podcast. One of the things they talk about is uh athletes get so much benefit of the doubt for being fun and that kind of broke things for me because I'm like oh this person isn't actually that fun and exciting so I try to not be like uh <laughs> a guy who I, I try to not pay attention to that because then I just get accidentally jaded where i'm like oh but is he really or is it it's low, it's compartmentalizing yeah you gotta you gotta compartmentalize the football part with the non-football part yeah um, the lions have jamal williams who's just a blast oh. he's oh. just a blast of a person yeah, he rules um, yeah he's I, a good he's a good football player but not a great football player he is a fantastic person to watch and, and, and to be a fan of jameson williams has two different types of interviews if you ever watch his interviews when he's at a podium He's this real stiff, doesn't really want to be there, doesn't really want to talk, doesn't smile a lot. And then you see the interviews with him on the field, and it's a completely different human being where he's just he's just bouncing foot to foot and telling you all about what he's doing and how excited he is to be out there. And he's a lot of fun. So at the very least, he should be fun on hard knocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Lions are on hard knocks this year. That's, yep. that's right. That'll be that'll be uh, interesting. So, um I'm excited to see Dan Campbell on Hard Knocks. That's yeah, yeah that's gonna be fun. <laughs> every, every Dan Campbell presser is the same. He will talk incredible football with great terminology and talk about the scheme and all this stuff. But the whole time, all you can think is, what's the soundbite he's gonna drop? It hasn't happened yet. He's gonna say something that's gonna be the only thing anybody talks about. Yeah, it's not going to be about the scheme. It's not going to be about how much he knows. It's going to be about kneecaps or coffee wipe, or whatever it is. Or wiping your own ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is just, that's just an all-timer. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about, uh, Mike, I'm sorry to do this to you. 
uh, Jahan Dotson, the guy that kind of made everybody scratch their heads as a first round pick uh, to the Washington Commanders. What's going on here, man? Well, I, I think with uh, Dotson, they needed someone that's going to be that short to intermediate guy uh, because Terry McLaurin is going to be the deep receiver on the team. And they needed Carson Wentz to throw to somebody. It's sure in the hell it's not going to be Curtis Samuel. So will Jahan Dotson be, I don't know, good, great? I don't know. He's... He started going in the later parts of the wide receiver draft in Dynasty. He's sort of like the sixth or seventh guy, wide receiver guy off the board. Um, and that tells me a lot. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's just someone to fill that section, that zone of, of the offense. And we'll see how it pans out. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I don't understand the pick, to be completely honest with you. It felt like they had a lot of Things that they needed, and uh, you know, a guy like Jahan Dotson doesn't really fit that. Walker, what do you think about uh, about that pick? Like, it's one of those things where it's like I don't, I can't see him mattering in fantasy at all, ever. I mean, I like Jahan Dotson well enough as a football player, but I certainly don't think he's anything more than a number two target in an offense. And it seems like they got to a point where all the guys that they wanted were gone and so they just picked that same archetype of guy but a tier lower it just seems like they wanted wilson olave or williams and they figured when they traded down that one of those guys was still going to be there and then they all went three in a row and they were left kind of holding the bag so dollar garrett or garrett wilson yeah yeah basically i mean like i said dotson's good but that's pretty much where it ends he's uh you know he's middling size fairly good athlete um surprisingly good at playing above the rim for a smaller receiver um but not the most intricate route runner he's just kind of he's above average to good and i don't his ceiling is probably in like the robert woods range like if if he developed extremely well he could be like a high-end wide receiver too but uh more likely is the he kind of fades into the background in this offense, especially because Carson Wentz has a predilection for peppering his number one target with a bunch of balls and not really throwing to anybody else nearly as much. Um, I would expect this to be a McLaurin dominated passing offense. And uh, so rookie season, definitely not in on Jahan Dotson. Um, And for the future, I, I mean, if McLaurin isn't in Washington long-term, then maybe his outlook looks better, but um yeah, I, I don't see him ever being a super impactful player. I would just say he's probably going to be more valuable in real football than he is in fantasy football. And I'm wondering if maybe he was Terry McLaurin insurance because Terry McLaurin, you know, as we're speaking, is not reported to to minicamp. But, you know, you look at their RAS and it's like this, if this is your insurance, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin, pretty much great across the board, 957 and then Jahan Dotson, 634, like. Not, not not so sure about yeah, that. Yeah, and it's worse. <laughs> I, I mentioned before, like, it, it has to match what you see on tape. Mm-hmm. And the problem that we had with both Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks, for most people, not for myself, I'll, I'll, if we get to it, I'll talk about that. But um, the problem with those two players is that they were both billed as premier athletes by some. And they were billed as, oh, he's just going to blow up the combine and he's going to do all these crazy, incredible things. And then they don't. 
And the question doesn't be, well, well, those drills didn't matter. A lot of people tend to, if they like the guy, they just ignore it. Um, if that's what you saw on tape and he didn't put up those kind of numbers, your question shouldn't be, well, why do the numbers matter? The question should be, why didn't he put up the kind of numbers that I was expecting him to? Um, Dotson isn't just average size. He's very small. He's 178 pounds, which is only 15th percentile for a wide receiver. That's very, very small. There are very few success stories from that weight range. And if you're going to be small, be athletic. And he's fast, but not super fast. Um, I like to talk about how we kind of misunderstand speed because we're so used to looking at guys and thinking, oh, God, he's a sub sub 4.4, he's a sub 4.3. That's a really rare trait. People don't really understand how rare sub 4.4 is. Like 4.4.3, which is what he ran, is already almost 90th percentile for a receiver. Hmm. It's extremely rare to be faster than that. And a 4.4.3 is a perfectly acceptable time. That's a great time for most receivers. But if you're being billed as some premier athlete and that's the only thing you have is that, that's not great. Um, he was being ta talked up as being very quick and explosive. He had decent explosiveness drills, and the only uh, uh, agility drill he ran was the cone, and he was terrible. He had a terrible cone drill. Uh, a 7.28 is what you expect out of like a six foot four jump ball guy, not, no, wow. a, not a 5.10 buck 78 speedster. Hmm. Um, he didn't do well for any of the things you expect him to do well. He didn't have very big, very long arms. His hands are decently sized. Um, the good thing that he has going for him, and this is this is where you have to kind of look at what's good and what's bad, is that even though his arm length isn't great um, and he's not very big, his length on a football field is very good. He's able to do things with his body, to contort his body, and use his route running ability to get space between himself and the defender to go out and get a football very, very well. It's an exceptional trait that he has. The problem that I have with Jahan Dotson is that is generally not enough as a receiver. You can do a lot with it, but if you're going to be a wide receiver one, you have to have more than that. And he doesn't have a whole lot more than that. Um, Traylon Burks is a very different bird because I mentioned like, and tell me if I'm going too far over time here with this, but like, no, keep, I'm keep, jumping into a completely different player. Keep rolling. Yeah. Um, let's, let's roll over to Traylon Burks, uh, yeah, five, so, eight, so, three Raz. So technically lower than Jahan Dotson, but you said yeah. to quote you a different bird. So why don't you, yeah. Talk about that? So, a lot of people expected Traylon Burks to be this super uber athlete. I didn't. I was never a big Traylon Burks fan, which isn't to be that I thought he was bad. I just didn't think he was wide receiver one like some people did. Um, because I didn't look at him as a premier athlete. I looked at him as a great for his size athlete, which is hmm. fine. You can do plenty of stuff with a guy that's like that. Uh, Traylon Burks is 6'2", 225. That's a big receiver. That's a, that's a thickly built guy. And if you look at his frame, he has a muscular thick frame he's got a lot of power there and he uses that on tape a lot of his yak isn't him being real quick and shifty and stuff it's him throwing a guy 15 yards and then running <laughs> for another 10 you know it's it's great he's a he's a good football player uh but he was never quick and he didn't test quick so i don't care he was never fast but he didn't test fast so i don't care um he was explosive enough for his size and that's how he tested so mm -hmm. I don't care. The fact that he didn't have some elite Raz is okay for me as an evaluator because I didn't expect him to have an elite Raz, and he put up the kind of numbers I would have expected him to have. I kind of expect him to have a little bit better vert than he had. He only had a 33-inch vert, which is pretty bad. Um, but I, it's one thing, and everything else was pretty much along lines of what I expected him to have. So I'm kind of okay 
with him having that kind of testing because he still wins. He still wins in a lot of different ways. He's still able to be a productive receiver, and there's a role for him in the NFL. And he landed in a good spot for his skill set to be able to take advantage of the things that he's good at. I mean, why wouldn't you want to throw a big physical receiver into the Tennessee offense, you know? I think Um, we've seen that work before. Yeah. Jahan Dotson's a little bit different because on tape, he was this, he won with athleticism. He won with that quickness, that speed, that explosiveness. And then he never tested like it. So it becomes a bigger concern when a guy doesn't succeed in an area you expect him to versus a guy like Burks, who to me tested kind of how he should have. And it's just not not something we should be concerned about, you know? Um, even though Burks had the lower score, the tape lines up with how he plays versus Dotson where it doesn't. And that's where it becomes a bit of a bigger concern. Um, I think both of those players have good roles in the NFL. And, I, and like I said, I, I tend to come off very negative when I talk about people because I'm very matter-of-fact in mm-hmm. my speaking. Um, Jahan Dotson has a role in the NFL. I think that role, though, is generally wide receiver two with a better player like McLaurin. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Um, they might have overpaid for him. There might be a value discrepancy there. Um, Burks, I think the Titans paid what they should have for Burks. I think that's good value. Yeah. I, I, I have a question real quick um, because a lot of people are doing this. They're comparing A.J. Brown with Traylon Burks. No, and, don't. Okay. All right. That answers <laughs> it perfectly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's another thing where, like, the way that they win and the style – um, when you have a guy that leaves, you try to fill them with a guy that's exactly the same. That happens all the time in the NFL. And sometimes that's exactly what they're doing. I don't think Burks is going to have the same role as A.J. Brown had in the NFL. I think he's going to have a much more similar role to um, people like to throw out. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Dude from the 49ers. One of my favorite players. Debo, Debo Samuel. Oi. Um, Debo is fantastic, and he'll have a similar role to that. It'll be between that and how A.J. Brown was used. It won't be a straight-up Debo Samuel role, because that's just not Burks' game. As much as he likes to talk it up, that's really not, in my opinion, not his game. But he's also not A.J. Brown. He's somewhere in the middle, and I think that that is a good role for him in that type of offense. I think he'll be productive in it. Okay. And and when Mike was talking about some people, he was unfortunately talking about me in the pre-draft process. <laughs> You're not the I only said, one. I, did I didn't the same say thing. He, I said he's like 80% AJ. You know, it's like, I see it as like, and then when he went to the Titans, I was like, all right, I gotta, I guess I gotta yeah, go. He's, he's, he does, he does some of the same things that AJ Brown does. He's a big physical receiver. AJ Brown was a big physical receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but A.J. Brown was a lot more dynamic down the field than Traylon Burks is. Traylon Burks is a lot more dynamic in the, the shorter parts of the field than A.J. Brown was. They're very different types of players. And I and I don't trust Traylon Burks to do the catch a slant and go 70 yards to the house. No, and I, and, it's not uh, really his game. Yeah, that uh, that A.J. Brown does. Which, by the way, speaking of which, I look I had to look something up uh, the, today. Um, AJ Brown still leads the league in the last three seasons in 50 plus yard touchdowns. Do you know who's second? Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase has been in the league one year. One he's year. Already, <laughs> he's already seconded that. He had five last <laughs> year. Wow. He had five last year. 14 teams have five or more in the last three seasons, and he's just like, yeah, let me just uh, let me just uh, catch the ball wherever it is, and I'm gonna score a touchdown. It's complete aside, but I haven't stopped thinking about it ever since That's... I looked that up today. 
That's going to be one of the best evaluations to go back and look at. Not not quite as fun as going back and looking at, at uh, uh, like, Antonio Brown scouting reports where it's like, well, he might be a good punt returner. It's not yeah. going to be that fun. Um, but going back and looking at what people said about Chase versus how he's actually played is a lot of fun. Um, kind of like how Justin Jefferson was like, oh, I think they might have reached for him. He's, he's not really the guy that, that people really expected them to take there. And it's like, uh, yeah, he's fine. It's like, oops, oops. And uh, everybody who uh, had the third, uh, everybody who had the third pick in their uh, dynasty leagues, for example, me, who said, well, I don't really need a wide receiver. Let me take uh, Travis Etienne over Jamar Chase. And Etienne landed in a good spot with a terrible coach and then got hurt. Yeah, all I can, all I ever think about is when, because I've been writing up a lot of players and stuff on the Jaguars, I was like, their coach went around kicking people. (laughs) How can we think anything about what happened last year in Jacksonville when Urban Meyer was literally (laughs) kicking people? And that wasn't even the worst thing. It's amazing. It's amazing how much coaching and scheme, like how much that impacts how players are on the field. Yeah. Um, The the Lions had Quandre Diggs, who was traded because he was playing fairly poorly for Matt Patricia and his defense. Um, but then he goes on to be a pro bowler when he gets to Seattle because he was a good player who was being miscast and just wasn't able to do the things that he was good at. So is he a bad player? No, he was on a bad defense and he just, he just wasn't able to do the things he's good at. Um, it sucks when you have a guy that's stuck like that. Yeah. And you also get like, you know, uh, you know, players who they end up in situations where the coaches are like, I'm going to have you do this thing. And the player says, well, I don't, that's not really the best thing that I do. And the coach just says, well, guess what? That's your role in the offense. And, you know, when you get to Seattle, like Quandre Diggs is the perfect example. Pete Carroll's like, he takes every player. He's like, all right, what do you do to do best? All right, kid, yeah. go out there and do that. Like, it's so much better uh, so, from a player's perspective. I have a, uh, I have a fun Quandre Diggs story for you guys, just about, about how he was on the lines, just him as a person. Um, Quandre Diggs, I think is five, eight, five, eight and three eighths or something like that. He's a very short player. Um, but over his time on the Lions, his relationship with the other players was always very positive. And the entire time he was in Detroit, he got shorter. No matter who you asked to, like, if you asked Darius Slay when he was here about how tall he was, it would get progressively shorter. And it was, it was a running gag the whole time he was in Detroit because it, it, he's like, oh, yeah, he's like 5'8". Oh, he's like 5'6". He's 5'5". He's five, five, five. <laughs> And it's like, I, I think at one point they were calling him their 5'2 boy. And I was like, oh is God. he just getting shorter? Like, is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Soon he'll reach Tariq Cohen status. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Brandon yeah. Banks. <laughs> so uh, uh, Trendon, Trendon Holiday, I think, is the yeah. shortest player I can remember. It was 5'5". Five, 5'5", five. Five, five. yep. Yeah, uh, Trent guy. Looking up Trendon Holiday on a football, like just like Trendon Holiday just standing next to other guys on on the field, it's it's a lot of fun. I got another story. So the Lions, uh, when when they had um, was it Caldwell or was it Schwartz? I forget who it was, but they had uh, a kick returner who was five six. Oh, Logan. <laughs> Logan, yes, yeah, Stefan Logan, and uh, they would line him up in practice next to Calvin Johnson every single time. <laughs> That was his. That was his spot. So you oh, had geez. you had six foot five, two hundred and thirty seven pound Calvin Johnson next to five foot six, buck ninety Stefan Logan. 
And it was the funniest thing every single week. And they did it every training camp. They had assigned, assigned spots. That's probably Schwartz. So it was assigned spots. They had specific spots they had to stand when they were they were training. And it was it was hilarious every single time. <laughs> that reminds me of the picture of Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry standing yeah, next to each other right? in the Alabama game. And he's just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's one of those things where, you know, Rodrigo Blankenship, DK Metcalf, you're like, oh, these guys play the same sport. It's like, oh, these two guys play the same position, like with, with Ingram and Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah uh, Trend, look up Trendon Holiday 49ers, and it's very funny because uh, he's in the foreground and he still looks like eight feet shorter than all the defensive and offensive linemen he's running past. It's a, it's a very funny image. Uh, that's the one that always sticks in my mind. Um, so uh, any deeper wide receivers, we, we kind of uh, cut it off at like first round guys. Cause uh, we're having a great discussion, but we don't want to keep you for, you know, three hours. Um, any of the I'm, deeper wide receivers? I'm off for three days, man. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let me, let me put it a different way. Um, I went to bed early last night thinking that I would get extra sleep because we have this puppy that's get me up early, not thinking that the puppy would also go to bed early. So the puppy got me up extra early this morning. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm working on about uh, on a good night, five and a half hours of sleep for about three weeks now. So um, I don't know how parents do it. If I'm being completely honest, I feel like I'm going insane. But um, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, Alec Pierce. Uh, George Pickens. I'm gonna go deeper. I'm gonna go deeper than that. Let's go. Late stash guys. Um, Calvin Austin from uh, Memphis went to the Steelers. Okay. Um, He's a fourth round draft pick. Very very tiny receiver. He is minuscule as far Mm -hmm. as receivers are concerned. Um, I compared him athletically to uh, Tyreek Hill, which Tyreek Hill gets a lot of comparisons stylistically, but there just aren't many that really match up. And there are very, very few who can even come close athletically to Tyreek Hill as far as an actual athletic profile. And Calvin Austin comes close. Why he's important to the Steelers, the Steelers just drafted a new quarterback for the first time in quite a while. It's a quarterback that's going to start from pretty much day one. And it's a quarterback that's going to need a little bit of help, which means he might have to dump some passes down. Getting a guy like Calvin Austin is a boon to a guy that needs to dump down because he can do a lot of stuff with a lot of space. And I think that the Steelers are smart enough. We've seen them time and time again develop receivers Mm -hmm. from their mid to late rounds and do stuff with them and be able to to find ways to to make them useful in the NFL. Calvin Austin is very different than the guys that they've developed in the past, but I think he's in such a perfect condition to get production with the quarterback that he's going to have throwing to him with Kenny Pickett. Um, I think it's, I think it's going to show itself really quickly about whether or not that's actually going to be the case. But I think there's a chance that Calvin Austin is a very productive receiver, not like a thousand yards or nothing like that, but as a fourth round receiver, uh, getting five or six targets a game very early and being able to do decent production with that, those targets is going to be huge. Um, another player that I think is in a really good position is Khalil Shakir um, out of Boise State going to the Bills. Um, another player that's going to a team that is known to spread the ball around, is known to be very dynamic with the football. And Khalil Shakir is a deep guy. He's he's able to go deep quite a bit. He's not a burner, but he's a fast player. Uh, but he's in an offense that has so many threats, so many different ways that you can you can do damage. And I think that he's in a good position to get decent production with Josh Allen because he Allen's going to be able to, to keep those underneath threats as a valid concern for defenses, which can open up the top. 
And Shakir has shown himself as pretty sure-handed and, and able to get those balls and go deep. Um, so he's going to be a lot of fun to pay attention to. Uh, Kyle Phillips from the Titans is another player I want to keep an eye on because he's the he's that very secure slot type of guy. Um, he's got those, those really uh, really quick movements in the open field. He's able to do a lot of really interesting stuff as a route runner. Uh, he's in an offense that's very physical and very in your face, and he's not really that kind of guy, Kyle Phillips. He's he's a bit more I don't want to get hit, and that's cool. Plenty plenty fine as a receiver. That's how I played in the five minutes I was a football player. I don't want to get hit. Um, but you know it, it's fine. But he's he's very much not the guy that's going to be physical in your face. But that means he's going to be in situations that other players on his team are not. Teams are not going to game plan for Kyle Phillips, whereas they are against guys like Traylon Burks and Derrick Henry, the more physical players, which opens up some opportunities for a quick, shifty guy to get open. We were talking about that cyclical nature in the NFL. Um, it opens him up to some very interesting positions where he could find himself open and other guys would probably not get that opportunity. So those are the guys that I was thinking of as, as, as bigger opportunities late. Very I like, excited I, for this class. I like what you said about Calvin Austin on um, Twitter when you ranked him. The the score what the score came out to be not what you ranked him but what what he ranked himself 151 out of 2,613 wide receivers and this goes from 1987 to two, 2022 uh, so that's just mind boggling. It's wild. I can give you the more up to date number now that I'm finished. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 crazy how athletic some of these guys are and I got to see him down in mobile. Uh, my mustache was in bad shape, but uh, <laughs> he was he was not. It was raining the whole time we were in mobile. This thing did not stand up to that kind of pressure. Uh, but he's just outside of 250 out of 2,792 wide receivers right now. Um, he's a ridiculous athlete for the size that he is because he's small. You know, he, he put up 11 bench reps, which doesn't sound like a lot, but he's 170 pounds benching 225 pounds 11 times that's kind of nuts right I'm, it's, yeah i'm, a little I'm bit. 245 pounds and i can bench that much zero times yeah. <laughs> right not, i not, can't not, either but i've got a i've got a reasonable excuse in that my shoulder is made of paper mache my um, excuse is that my arms are really long <laughs> <laughs> he uh he had a 92nd percentile for a 99th percentile brought 99th percentile 40 yard dash 20 yard split 10 yard split 92nd percentile shuttle and 97th percentile cone drill jesus I mean, man that's insane yeah that's, insane. That, that's all uh pretty good i would say uh well that that's that's gonna be my uh my jeff version of ras it's just gonna say like calvin johnson uh pretty pretty big uh pretty fast it's gonna be the the exact opposite of what raz is <laughs> just just a list of superlatives yeah <laughs> just like hey i like big, this big fast what was the, the hippie weatherman back in the day oh yeah it looks looks a bit cloudy <laughs> <laughs> my rain <laughs> oh is it uh, the that, oh, George Carlin. I was like, whose bit is that? I <laughs> yeah, couldn't remember whose great. bit that was. Yeah, George Carlin. So, um, all right, let's talk a little bit about some running backs. So, um, yeah, let's let's start off with uh, 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 let's just do all the first rounders. All right, thanks for listening. No, um, <laughs> Reese Hall, nine nine six, Raz, widely considered to be the best running back in the class, lands with the Jets, um, with a you know 
an offense that really, if they run it like the Niners did, really likes the uh, the one cut and go sort of guy. So um, we'll start with you, Kent. Uh, how do you feel about this Brees Hall landing spot here uh, with the Jets for immediate production and then in the in the near future? Yeah, so we can't talk about how and not enough about how opportunity is king. And we we always use that as as that buzzword that we go back to that that term that we like to throw around. But when it comes to fantasy, even with as as much as athletic testing can play into it, opportunity is still the only real factor. No matter how athletic you are, no matter how high your draft position is, if you're not going to get the carries, you're not going to matter. Uh, Brees Hall is in a perfect position to get a ton of carries. And he's an athletic wunderkind. I mean, he's one of the most athletic receivers or running backs that's ever come out of the draft. Um, he didn't do agility drills, and some people like to throw around the whole, well, he wouldn't, he would have, if he didn't do them, then obviously he would have done poorly. That's not the case. Uh, a lot of players skip draft drills for different reasons. Sometimes they do skip because they know they're going to do poorly. Mm-hmm. But if you skip a drill, NFL teams that meet with you will ask you to do that drill. It's how Tease Tabor got hurt. For the Detroit Lions back in the day, he got hurt during a 40-yard dash. Even though he'd already run it twice, they had him run it again, and he he injured his hamstring. Um, It happens all the time. So the fact that he didn't run for us, the casual fan, does not matter. Um, I think he's athletic. I think he's fast and explosive, which is how he wins anyway, and that's how he tested. His lowest uh, athletic test for speed and explosion was a 93rd percentile broad jump. That was his weakest test. So it'll it'll just tell you the kind of athlete we're talking about. Um, he can get out in the open field, and he can do damage when he gets there, and that's what you want. On a team like the Jets that don't have a premier quarterback, don't have a premier wide receiver threat, and the wide receivers that they do have who are a threat are young and, in some cases, rookies. You want a guy that can break it away and do some real damage on the ground. Now, the big question for me for the Jets is going to be their offensive line and whether or not they can hold up and they can open the holes for them. Um, right. you, always, you always want to look at what a wide res- or running back does on their own, and it's tough to gauge that on a bad offensive line. And I don't know that the Jets have a good enough line to really show us that type of skill set and that type of, of damage that he can do. Um, I'm excited to see if he does do what we hope he can do because I love I, I grew up on Barry Sanders. I love watching a, a running back that can really tear it up and mm-hmm. just wreck people. Um, but it, it's a it's a dying position, not not running back in general, just that that type of running back who just owns every game. That's almost gone. Um, it would be nice to see it come back. And if he's wearing green, that's cool too. I li- I like green. If you can't tell, green's green's a good color <laughs> on the cards. I, I had to check which shirt I was wearing. I forgot. It's been one of those <laughs> days. Um, even though I mentioned, I I think I mentioned I was wearing an effectively wild shirt earlier in the episode. I don't remember, but um, yeah, I love Brees Hall. Uh, can't I think he nailed it uh, with the opportunity thing. Um, I think he's going to be in an offense that's going to give him as many carries as he can take he's going to get as many targets as he can take and you know there are people who talk about uh you know michael carter mike might take some stuff from it it's like no Brees hall was there to replace michael carter like that that's why he's there and um you know it's 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 a system that's going to run one running back until they can't run it anymore so um yeah i think i think that uh he's in a great place to produce and you know this rascore 996 is just it's very good 
I think uh, to go very back common. to my Jeff version of Brass, it's a very good score. <laughs> Some yeah, might say one fair, of the best. To be fair, I do put superlatives on the cards. I have those little very good, oh, that's true. good and that stuff. I throw it on there for the old schoolers. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I, I I forgot. Yeah, there's the, uh, the the little bits there. So um. Uh, let's, uh, we were going to talk about more guys, but I think, um, you know, once we get into like Damian Pierce, Tyler, Algier, I think we're getting a little too deep there. So let, there's two more guys that uh, you're going to skip lo- over me talking about Tyler Algier. I love that dude. Okay. Well, uh, Walker DNB <laughs> said we were going to skip over Tyler Algier, but I also love Tyler Algier. Let's talk about him. Let's go. Jesus I'm Christ. I like Damian <laughs> Pierce too. I like them Damian both. Pierce I, sucks. You're not, you're not <laughs> the episode, Mike. 744, yeah, Tyler Algier. Uh, let's talk about him. So it, it's it's where you get into what we call typing. And I've talked about it before. It's really a hard concept to to really go into detail about without sounding like without going off on a tangent and rambling. But typing is one of the most important things when it comes to uh, skill positions in the NFL, because not every receiver is the same. Calvin Johnson is not Antonio Brown, is not Wes Welker. These are very different receivers, very different jobs, very different skill sets, but they all play the same position. So it's it's very different. Running back is the same thing. You're not going to get the same type of production, even if you get the same numbers. You're not going to get the same type of production from a speedy guy versus a power guy. It's going to be very different. Uh, Tyler Algier is a very specific type of running back that the NFL has valued and has found ways to utilize in the NFL. There's a bunch of different guys who have very similar types of profiles who have been successful in the NFL. And it's it's tough to look at those guys and be like, oh, you know, he's he's just like them because he tested like them. No, it's not necessarily that he's just like them because he tested like them. He's just like them because the style of player that he is matches the types of players that he's being compared to. Um, and this is your guys like C.J. Anderson, who, you know, wasn't a very high draft pick. Algier was obviously a little bit better. Um, but Anderson wasn't a, a speedster. But that also wasn't how he played. So you didn't care that he wasn't a speedster. Yeah. Um, David Montgomery wasn't a speedster. But he didn't have to be to win in the NFL. These are the exact same style of player, the same type of running back. And the NFL has found a bunch of those guys that are very similar in style and found ways to be productive with them. And none of them were drafted early. They're all drafted in the mid rounds because that's just where those types of players are valued. Um, I don't expect him to jump in from day one and be the dude. Um, yeah, that's right, and... Jeff. <laughs> uh, but he's no, in a good enough wrong. position that he should get carries and all you have to do as a running back is get enough carries to show up the guys in front of you and opportunity as a running back gets you more opportunity if you're good that's just the way that it works are you, know, you saying I'm, he might do better than two 30 year old running backs who've been part-time backs their whole career that is very possible <laughs> probable um He's one of my favorite players out of this draft class. And and I, I want people to understand it's it's always hard to explain like when you have a guy that you like who also projects well. You know, it's hard to explain like, look, I'm being objective in this opinion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I do I, love this player, but I'm also being objective. 
you know, my my profile is Algier Lover 1967. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, it, I, it, I actually <laughs> was having a discussion about Algier today, and I pulled up his Raz and was like, oh, maybe, no, okay, hold on. This isn't going to make the point I want it to make. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> because he doesn't have an elite one. Yeah. Um, but you throw him up against guys like David Montgomery and C.J. Anderson, who I mentioned. And mm-hmm. I forgive forgive me, I'm already a couple of drinks deep, so I don't have I don't have quite the recall that I have when I'm totally sober. <laughs> um, but you have guys that are, are generally average height, but thickly built, mm-hmm. who are not fast, but are quick and ex- and reasonably explosive. Um it's 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 kind of like safeties. There's a there's a safety position or a, a archetype that um, that is a guy that doesn't have a good 40 time but does have a good 10 yard split, and either has great explosiveness or great agility or both, but generally one or the other. Yeah. And um, those types of players tend to find success in the NFL, even though they don't have a great 40 yard dash. They tend to be pretty rangy on a football field because the safety position is mostly about recognition and and being able to find out where you're supposed to be so you can be there before the receiver gets there it's not just about speed um running backs the same way it's about being able to get where you're supposed to be the only difference is as a running back you have the ball in your hands when you're doing (laughs) you know um algier is a player that i really liked watching in college football i enjoyed watching him play he was one of my favorite players in the draft um, but stylistically and the way he tested also happened to coincide with a successful archetype of running backs in the NFL. So if he hits, I called it. Yeah. I, as, as, <laughs> you hear that, Walker? You hear that, Mike? Look, I, I like Tyler Algier as a player. I just don't want to see Jeff get hurt again. What, hurt like Ramondre <laughs> Stevenson hurt me? Huh? No, like Miles huh? Gas can hurt you. Oh. Let's not talk about my, why would even why though would Damian Pierce that? has a lower RA RAS score, I still think he's going to outproduce. No, well, his number is lower. That means he's worse. That's what Ken has spent an hour <laughs> telling us. Yes, that's right. I think yeah. that's how the math, the math works. <laughs> is that, that how it works? Oh. Yeah. Um, Pierce, Pierce is a different type of archetype from an athletic standpoint. And I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Pierce. Um, I yes. don't hate him, but I'm not a huge fan of him. But I, I want to point out from an athletic stand, standpoint only, he falls into a type of archetype that is where you're not bad at anything. But you're also not great at anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite archetypes because I love guys that are great because they're not great at anything. Like guys that, that was- guys that just don't have a lot of flaws are really fun for me because, like, Zach Ertz is that way. Zach Ertz is one of the best tight ends in the NFL over the last decade. Zach Ertz was not a fantastic athlete, but what he wasn't was a bad athlete in anything. He wasn't bad at anything. As a player, Zach Ertz wasn't the most explosive tight end in the NFL. He didn't have the biggest catch radius in the NFL. He wasn't the fastest in the NFL. But what he was was not slow. He didn't have a small catch radius. And he he didn't he wasn't li- like unexplosive or un- inagile or whatever. He had very few flaws, and you can do so much with that as a football player if you're smart and you bring that that cerebral aspect, the north of the neckline stuff. Yeah, and, and there's when you're that good at a lot of stuff, there's very little that the other team can attack. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You, you know. You get a fast guy, put a safety over the top, and keep them as deep as you can. You can kind of take that away. If a guy isn't bad at anything, what are you attacking? What are you going after? Yeah, 
It reminds me of, and obviously this guy's not a particularly good NFL player, but um, Drew Sample's RAS card, which is every yeah. single number is yellow, but his yeah. overall RAS is green. I think I think I think his finals. I'd have to look, but I think his final was had one green score because his bench was green because he had like a he had like thirty bench reps or something. Oh, I actually okay. met his. I actually got to talk to his dad. He was really really nice guy. That's cool. Um, but yeah, that's exactly the type of player that I'm talking about. He had a nine, not just great, nine zero one was his overall score. Wow. And his only great score was his bench, which was 25 bench reps. Everything else was below eight. That's ma- mathematically proven to be greater than the sum of his parts, I guess. Is Drew Sample? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Go with that. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's talk uh. So uh, we, already, walk- we already talked Kenneth. So, yeah, let's talk James Cook. Um, I I'm actually kind of uh, this this Raz has me a little bit interested, but I think he's just the thing that gets me is he's so small that a lot of people are, are saying, well, he's going to uh, I saw people go, well, just just blur your eyes. He looks like Dalvin Cook. No, he doesn't because he's so much smaller. But I mean, his if you cover up his height and weight, everything <clears throat> else is pretty good. Yeah, and, and explosive drills, like, vertical is the least important of the explosive yeah. drills for, for, a, for a running back. You want broad. Anybody that's going to be at or near the line, you want them to have a better broad than vert. If, if it's a receiver, the guys that are further away from the line, you want the vert to be better because they're going to be more likely to go up and have that athletic talent matter more, right? Um, but a running back, you want them to be explosive forward, and the broad tests that. He had almost, almost a 90th percentile broad. Um, and his speed was really good. Um, it's another one of those profiles that looks exactly like how he played in college. You know, this is this is very close to what James Cook looked like. Um, he's under 200 pounds, which is the biggest concern. Not a lot of really successful running backs with like the big production guys that are under 200 pounds. Um, I'm assuming that he's going to get a little bit thicker when he goes to an NFL camp. Um, if he can retain his athleticism, pretty decent chance that um, he does well. What's working in his favor is that the Bills don't have a premier running threat. They have Devin Singletary and uh, who's the other Moss. guy that's always hurt? Moss, Zach Moss. Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. your premier RB1 running threat Josh is quarterback. We've got problems. Yeah. Um, but Cook's also a pretty decent receiving threat. And when you have a guy like Josh Allen who's going to be working out of the pocket quite a bit, Get a guy that he can throw to in a pinch. And I think it really works out for that offense. The Bills are not the biggest Raz-heavy teams. They've actually had a lot of up and down with the types of guys they've drafted. Um, They did draft one of the tens last year in Spencer Brown, who had the highest score ever for an offensive tackle. Um, But generally, they've been very hit or miss with whether they like athleticism or don't, or whether they value it or not, rather. Um, But... They've picked a lot of guys that fit what they do. It's all about what they do on offense and defense. And I think Cook is an example of that more than he is an example of a guy who's athletically gifted and can project that to the NFL. What he does as a running back fits what the things that they can't do on offense. And I, I really like that for them. I'm not a Bills fan, but I'm a Bills stan. I, I like him enough to be able to talk up the things they do well. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I like uh, I, I do I do like the fit with with Buffalo. The thing that I'm concerned about in terms of if we're talking production is uh, the Bills tried really hard to sign J.D. McKissick for this exact role, 
Mm-hmm. And when they didn't get him, uh, I believe it, to me, it feels like they felt like the rest of their roster was strong enough that they could afford to spend a late second round pick on a receiving running back. And while I, everybody knows I love my receiving running backs for fantasy football, I just don't foresee the role being big enough his rookie year to be relevant, particularly for redraft. Um, and then I don't ever see him being a lead back in the NFL. So I'm not super interested in him in dynasty either. I, I just, I don't really, I, I, I see what he can do on the field and I'm not saying he's a bad football player in any way, but I just don't see where the production is going to consistently come from for fantasy. I think, um, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been mulling over this role in the bills offense. And when they, they, they struck out on JD McKissick, they did go out and get Duke Johnson. Who's also, you know, shown primarily to be a pass catcher in the NFL. So I think it's a role that they're going to have, but I don't think it's a role they're really going to focus on a ton. I think it's more um, them looking at um, the impending contract to Josh Allen, them looking at how Cam Newton aged like milk um, because he was taking so many hits. And it's more of a thing where they're, I think they're going to, uh, work Josh Allen into staying into the pocket a little bit more, not so much that it, it you know ruins that part of his game, but I think it's it's something you know some people are thinking only oh, five six targets a game. I'm thinking more three or four for this year, and then that role can grow. Um, but I think you gotta I think you gotta look at too though is is there a more coachable quarterback in the NFL than Josh Allen? No, Josh Allen will do whatever you want to do. There are zero quarterbacks as Old great as guys TV. like. Yeah, as great as guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, even even guys like Aaron Rodgers, as great as they are, there is nobody more coachable than, than Josh Allen. Josh Allen was not the quarterback that you know now in college, and he no. wasn't that immediately coming out in the NFL. But he turned into that because he listens to what he's being told. He takes that criticism, and he's like, how can I turn this into a positive? And he finds ways to do that. It is incredible how well that guy figures things out. And like you said, they looked at a guy like J.D. McKissick and they couldn't get him, so they got a guy like James Cook, who I think is a better player anyway. But right. the, the point is they're looking for that type of player, mm-hmm. which means that they're probably going to use that type of player, in my opinion. I, I feel like they if they're doing that, they're like going into it going, okay, we know this is an area we need to improve or this is an area that he needed. Um, either because he's running too much when he doesn't need to, or maybe he's just missing those types of scenarios in the offense. Maybe they don't give him those opportunities, and they're like, look, we need to give you those opportunities. And they're just finding a player who can fit it. Um, Very hopeful in terms of that coaching staff, because we know what they can do um, in seeing how they actually utilize a player like that. Yeah, and it's not a situation like – uh, Mike, the Colts with Naheem Hines last year, where it was like, hey, Naheem Hines is going to need to get a bunch of targets because after Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, like who else are we throwing the ball to? It's like the Bills have a have a, a deep receiving core. Yeah. I mean, O.J. Howard is like their number. O.J. Howard and Jamison Crowder are like the four and five targets in that offense this year. It's like those are guys that, you know, O.J. Howard had the athletic profile, never really cashed in on it. But, you know, Jamison Crowder's, yeah, Jamison Crowder's been a number one option before. So it's not like they were like, oh, man, we just need a guy who can soak up some targets. It's like this is a role they went out and got. Um, so, yeah. Not a bad I, word. We, we like to think of it as a bad word being a role yeah. player. No, because, it's not. Because no. we always want every one of our draft picks to be the guy. We want yeah, him sure. to be that star player. 
But, like, some guys are just role players, and that's totally fine. Are they going to be Hall of Famers? Probably not. Are they going to be big parts of successful teams? That's probable. That's likely that they're going to be big parts of successful teams. Yeah, that's, I mean, Alden Smith for the Niners was technically a role player. That guy was a disaster in coverage. But he was, him and Justin Smith, he could work that that stunt better than, like, anybody. So it's, like, technically... Oh, yeah. I miss him so much. Uh, Technically, like he was a role player, but he was one of the most disruptive pass rushers in the NFL. So if that's your role, that's you just put your head down. You just do it. That's your role. So um, I'm going to I'm going to stand Dan Campbell for a minute um, because that's what he did um, this past year with with their premier pass rusher they had. uh, last year. Because they have they they took a guy who was drafted by, you know, the Dolphins as a first round pick to be a, an every down pass rusher in Charles Harris. And he just never was that in college. That wasn't his role in college. That wasn't what he was good at. He was a situational pass rusher who was very, very good in that role, being a situational pass rusher and being aware enough at what he was good at to be good at it. And the Dolphins drafted into a much bigger role and he wasn't successful. And he went to the Falcons and they tried doing the same thing and he wasn't successful. He goes to the Lions and they're like, look, we're going to ask you to do the one thing that you are good at. And we're going to ask you to do it a lot. But we're only going to ask you to do that thing. Like, we're just going to ask you to be good at the thing you're good mm-hmm. at. And he got eight sacks, which is not, you know, amazing. But that's a lot better than what he had been doing in his career. And that's fantastic for a role player. And teams really get that wrong with role players, where they try to mischaracterize them as something that they're not. And agents, I'm sure, play it up because agents want the money. And there isn't the money in that role player role. But it's really cool to watch a coaching staff who sees a player that's good in one role and says, I'm going to put you in that role. And I'm not only going to put you there, I'm going to find ways to utilize that role more often and take that role and find ways to make the defense better, the offense better. Um, and it, we really got to see that. It's it's the same same type of stuff. I, I wish we got to see it more from more coaching staffs. And hopefully, as a Lions fan, that's just a, a portent of things to come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and those the players that accept the you know we're we're kind of way far in the weeds, but the players that accept that Things role, yeah, it's it's fun to talk about football. The players that accept that role, you automatically are like, man. You think more of them. Like, yeah. I, I always think about Darius Hayward Bay. Dude was a top, oh, 10, yeah. top 10 pick who has played in the NFL for like 10 years. Half of them, he was a gunner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because he, he looked around and was like, I can either be stubborn and insist that I'm a wide receiver, or I can keep playing the game I love and just do whatever the coaching staff tells me. Yep. Yeah. yeah so, it's, it's great watching guys that really get into those rules. And that's one of the things, as much as people talk about the Patriot way and all that stuff, it's one of the things the Patriots are the best at is saying, like, look, you're good at this one thing. We're going to use you to do that one thing. And if you want to leave, leave. Yeah. Go get a big payday. We're cool with that. But if you come back, we're going to have you do the one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, it's, Kyle it's Van Roy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the perfect <sighs> example. He went to Miami, got cut after one year because he just – he didn't do the one thing, which is what. Uh, also, an example of a team drafting a player with like a position in mind that he doesn't play. It's like, look, we want you to be this, this. They, like they said, oh god, it's so frustrating. They said they wanted him to be the thing that he was, and then they never used him that way. They used him a completely different way. 
And then they, they he got ended up in New England. New England was like, oh, yeah, we're going to use you that way, the real mm-hmm. way, the way they said they were going to use you. We're going to do that. And he was good at it. Like, yeah. Like, surprise. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, just, you know, you look at uh, with Detroit, it's like he wasn't very productive at all. You know, he was not not that great. Only three QB hits in, in I'm sorry. Yeah, three QB hits in two and a half years. And then he goes to New England and it's just like, He's smacking the quarterback around all the time, getting sacks, getting tackles for loss, all kinds of stuff. He goes to Miami. He performs pretty well, but not to their expectations. Comes back to New England. It's like he never left. So it's just. He got paid. He got paid. Yeah. New England gets it, man. As, as much as people want to talk about how great of a coaching staff they have, and it's great. Like New England wins as a franchise because they understand the business side of football. And they understand that guys are going to move on. You got to prepare for it. You got to mm-hmm. understand that it's going to happen. And if those guys want to move on and get paid, let them move on and get paid. That's cool. We're not going to be the team paying you a bajillion dollars, but go on, go, go, go do your thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that's, um, uh, Baltimore does the same thing too. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I hate Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore, Baltimore just, every time they win at stuff, it seems like cheating. It, it just seems like, look <laughs> at this draft. I mean, they got, look at who they got yeah, in this draft. It's like they did nothing to get the players they got. They didn't maneuver up the draft board. They didn't trade around or anything. They just kind of sat there and got the best players that were possible to get at those spots. They do it every year, too. Every year. They do. Every year. It's like and they always seem to get these, these, these defensive players that are, like, obscure, and then they turn out to be, like, pro bowlers and stuff, and you're just like, what the hell? Hey, you know what? Uh, so, all right, let's. Uh, we were talking about running backs, uh, <laughs> but I think that's point. it. That that's 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 all the guys that I had on the list. Is there any other running backs? Uh, can't you want to talk about? Uh, you know, you we for uh, you forced us to talk about Tyler Algieri. Uh, Algieri, you really twisted my arm. I didn't want to talk about him. <laughs> uh, I, I I I I love uh, Algieri. So, is there any other guy that uh, you want to talk about or? Should we uh, let you get on with your evening there? No. Why would I let you let, let you let me get on with my evening? <laughs> it's boring. There's too many other things I can talk about. Um, Rashad White out of Arizona State. Yes, He's the player that I wanted yes. to bring up. Um, I was expecting you guys to bring him up. I'm disappointed. I should uh, too. I got him like on five teams this year. Yeah, so um, <laughs> yeah, went to Tampa Bay for people who don't know. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Can't, can't, uh, this is why this is why we have to drink to talk to these. <laughs> I'm I'm actually empty and I'm I'm fighting the urge to just leave you guys and go grab another one. Um, Rashad White was a guy that, that got brought my, to my attention late. I hadn't watched Rashad White. The Detroit Lions need a quarterback, so I spent a lot of my time in this offseason watching the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, which they also need. I didn't spend a lot of time on running backs. Because the Lions still had Swift and uh, Jamal Williams. That's a lot of, of setup for me talking about a completely different team. Um, <laughs> Rashad White was not a guy that I watched until very late. And he's pretty impressive. His athletic traits pop on tape. He looks as athletic as he is. He had a 9.87 Raz. Um, fantastic speed and explosiveness. Didn't test in the agility. He probably didn't need to because it's not really how he wins. Um but he's got really good size, really good speed, extremely good explosiveness. And it shows up on tape every time you see him. And he landed on a team in the Buccaneers that could kind of use a guy like that, right? They can kind of use a guy that can really be dynamic at the running back position. Now, the question for me is whether or not their offensive line can really create those holes. Um, 
you know, it's, there's always turnover every year. There's always turnover in, in, in teams. But I'm a little worried about how that's going to affect the running back position. But if it's even on par with last year, he's in a perfect position to produce. Um, not quite as much as Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall, mm-hmm. but kind of on that level. Like, if not at that level, just below it. Like, not even a full tier below that. Um, really good opportunity cost there. And he's not a game breaker um, like Kenneth Walker can be at times and Brees Hall could be at, in in the right usage. But he's got the talent to do so if the team can get him open in those situations. And I really like how he landed in that position and how his profile fits what they needed, uh, which is why I'm surprised you guys didn't bring him up. It's, it's such a good fit. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned you're huge on him. So uh, yeah, what, what do you see with Rashad White? Well, I think I think one is the opportunity um, because Leonard Fournette, in fact, that the dude can never just stay healthy. And the fact that he really fits his Tampa Bay offense very well. So I'm getting him around the second round in my dynasty leagues. And I'm just like every time I, I land on him, I'm just like, yeah, cashing in. So I think he he has a great opportunity to um, take over, you know, if Len, Leonard Fournette goes down this year and. Could be the could be the next Leonard Fournette um, once he leaves. I don't know what Fournette's contract is, maybe like two years. But I, I think he's really start. He uh, Rashad White is going to be that guy that they're going to want to be that Leonard Fournette once he leaves. Perfect. All right. Well, I, I've uh, I've reached the bottom of my my bottle and uh, the the siren song of I have to go to the bathroom very bad now. <laughs> You did predict you'd be peeing by the end. (laughs) This is how every episode usually ends, but I usually can uh, just be like, oh, man, I got to go. Bye. So more like Jeff Pisco. Pisco. (laughs) So uh, we need a new third on the podcast. Uh, Kent (laughs) getting kicked off for that. Walker's fired. He's fired. No puns. Get him out. Get him out. Um, so uh, why don't you give your plugs, Kent? Where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Yeah, so as mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, you can find me uh, on Twitter at MathBomb. I'm always available to talk football. I love talking football. I love talking athletic testing. I love talking metrics. Um, I will be reaching out on Twitter for some help in various off-season projects that we're doing, requiring some data visualization stuff, some uh, data management stuff. So if you're a math-inclined type of person, uh, be be on the lookout because I'm trying to pull in some new stuff. I'm also going to be looking for at least one, possibly two new interns for guys that want to try to get into coding. Um, mm. So try to keep an eye out for that. Um, if not there, you can find me at ras.football, R-A-S.football. Pretty easy to remember because that's what it is and that's what it's about. Um, you can find any player on the site. We have about 22,000 players with scores. Um, actually, I think it's 20,000 with scores and 22,000 total. I forget. Jeez. So many numbers I have to try to remember. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that you can look up there. We've got our compare card that my uh, previous intern, Eric Watkins, had had uh, created. allows you to compare any two players. We've got um, a ton of tools there that you can try to look into. Um, you can also find my draft work at profootballnetwork.com slash mock draft. And at the mock draft simulator, you can go check that out. Run your own mock draft at any time. Be your own GM. Run your own draft. Yell at me for not having your players rated higher. I look forward to hearing <laughs> why I'm an idiot. Um, it's the best part of the job is hearing why I'm stupid. Yeah. Um, I love to make lists on the internet and people just scan for the, the things. It's the best. That, yeah. 
People this, just go. The fact uh, you didn't have one. this player number four is the the most. It, I it completely invalidates the entire list. <laughs> yeah, I love when people do that because one time a guy uh, a guy went through because I posted my fantasy rankings and I deleted the tweet, but I responded. Uh, the earth is dying. Who cares? This doesn't matter. And I was like, well, <laughs> you can't argue with it. It's yeah. not hard to. <laughs> but it's um, like, yeah. it's, it's, it, on top of football, I talk, I talk football and movies and music and all kinds of random shit. I love, I love stuff. I love things. I love entertainment. Um, and I love talking about stuff. It's social socialization on social media gets a bad rap because of the, the crappy people, but the great people make it so much more fun and more worthwhile, which is why I get to come on, shows like this and hang out with you guys and, and enjoy some time and show off my mask altered mustache should, <laughs> should be a lot prettier than it is but yeah that's <laughs> uh, you know there? uh yeah uh one thing that i've realized lately is uh you really get in what you uh, you get out what you put into to social media you know it's 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 calmed me immensely once i was like you know what i'm the one that's making myself mad all the time <laughs> It's all managed. Con- it's curated content, man. If something yeah. you don't like is bothering you, prune it. Just, yeah. just cut it off. Right. Now it's gone and you don't have to worry about it. And as long as you can make that mental disconnect. Yeah, exactly. Just be like, that's gone now. It's gone. It's out of my life. I don't have to worry about it. Great. It's gone. Sweet. Yeah. That's best, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, oh, one, that's perfect. one more thing on the on RAS.football. Um, he does have a custom card maker. Uh, yep. So you can see how unathletic you truly are compared to NFL football players. I actually thought about that. Uh, was, I think it was yesterday. I was like, I should do all this combine stuff and see what my my my. I, has I mean, so, I've I have enough of my numbers from high school, from my last year of high school, which isn't the most accurate thing in the world. But um, my best position athletically is long snapper. Long <laughs> snapper, right on. Yeah. So I gotta point this out too because you can go check that out on the on the calculator, which is uh, ras.football slash ras-calculator is the part you're talking about. Um, but if you are a fat guy and you want to pretend you're a receiver for five seconds, you yes. will prob you will probably have a better score than Jarvis Landry did, Ooh. which is always fun. Because that weight score gives you just enough of a boost. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. So, all right. Well, uh, Kent Lee Platty, it's uh, Raz.Football. It's Pro Football Network. Uh, love the mock draft simulator. We didn't really talk about that, but that's a fun thing. Uh, um, so thanks for joining us. And um, for the Patreon folks, we'll be back next week to talk our 11 through 20s tight end wide receiver. Uh, for the people in the main feed, we'll be back in two weeks. Who knows what we'll be doing? So, uh For Kent and Mike and Walker, thanks for listening. Take care and have a good one. Bye.